Today, um, we are sharing our number seven value uh, of family church. And um, if you've been with us over the weeks, um, I'll probably go through which ones we've gone through next week. Um, but uh, we are on number seven, uh, which is we are worshippers. Um, we are worshippers, we are passionate in praise, we're intimate in worship, and we long for the presence of God. Um, I, I, I think just being in this atmosphere of praise and worship on a Sunday morning, I absolutely love it. I'm in the office um, at seven o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm going over the message for Sunday, I'm going through praise and worship, not, not the songs we're going to sing here, my praise and worship. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've done, I don't know how long in the office before I come here of praise and worship. Why? Because I'm a worshipper at heart. Um, God, I believe God created us all to worship. You know, for, for the unsaved world, maybe they worship their lovely sports car, or maybe they worship their work, or maybe they worship uh, their football club. Um, people worship. We, we, we are all created to worship something. Some people worship food. Some people worship the f- pop stars and movie stars and whatever else. But do you know what? At the end of the day, the reason why we all worship something is because it was built on the inside of us. We were created to worship, to adore, to look in wonder at things in our life and say, that is magnificent. That is amazing. Do you know, I, I, was, um, I, I was... Oh, no, I'm going to get to there later. I won't go there just yet. I'll, I'll come back to that. So a couple of months back, I, I did a four-week series on praise and worship. So I'm not going to go back into the mechanics or what, what worship is in that sense. Um, but I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the four weeks series that we did on praise and worship. Um, because it goes into the mechanics of why and how and, and what it looks like. But our desire as family church pastors is that we facilitate um, every Sunday the opportunity for you to get lost in praise and worship, not get lost, get lost in praise and worship, get lost in your, your wonder and your splendor of who God is, um, the magnificence of our God, the, the exuberance of praise like David did when he praised before God. And, and as you read the Psalms of how David, when he was out in the fields, he wrote the Psalms of the songs Very often, some of the words that we're still singing today, he wrote those because of his heart. He was a man of war, and therefore he wasn't even able to build the temple where God's presence would come. He wasn't able to do that. But at the core, he may have been a man of war, but at the core, David was a worshiper. He was a praiser before God. And he was a man after God's own heart. If we want to be a person after God's own heart, I believe He sees worship and praise and adoration and just a heart of surrender before him where we acknowledge him in all our ways in in giving thanks and praise to him. And, you know, one of the things I've observed as a pastor over the years, and it's sometimes difficult when you're on the front row because you don't see what's happening behind you. But over the years, I've, I've had a tendency to walk to the back of the church just to observe the congregation. And, and one of the things that I see on occasions is those who love praise. And they're up and they're going for it and they're really excited and they're, they're swinging to the music and they're really engaging. And then it comes to worship. They're not quite sure what to do. 
so they, they either put their hands in their pockets or they put them by their side or they sit down. or It's almost like they seem to disengage. And then I've seen on the opposite side, those who perhaps aren't so flamboyant and loud and vibrant during praise, they will stand there. But the moment worship happens, they're, they're, they're in the moment. But God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those who will worship and praise him with every fiber of their being. And do you know what? Can you praise God with your hands in your pockets? I think you can, but I'm not built that way. <laughs> I have to go for it. I have to. I, but then I look at David. I, I don't know if David, I don't know if David danced with his hands in his pockets. I think David just gave, he was whirling everywhere. We know he was. The Bible says he was. So I guess praise and worship is unique to every individual. The key is, it, is it heartfelt? And is it passionate? And if, if you know you in your journey and you are worshiping or praising passionately and you're being intimate in your worship, none of us should judge one another because it's a personal journey. And, and I think it's really important that we acknowledge that. I, I found this quote in the week and I think it's just amazing. Worship is all that we are reacting rightly to all that he is. Now, if you, if you add that to the equation, it is us reacting rightly to all that he is. The, key, the problem is we don't know all that he is. We see in part, we know in part. If we knew what his forgiveness truly meant in our life, we would praise and we would worship with every fiber of our being. If we understood what salvation, what redemption, what justification, what those great big long words, if we knew what they really meant in the journey of our life, we wouldn't be able to hold back. And we would, as this quote says, worship is all that we are reacting rightly to all that he is. No wonder David ran around because he knew God. No wonder through the Bible you see instances and moments in people's lives and and you see the, the 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 mark that it has on their life when they truly give their heart over to worshiping God so are we growing and I think that's the key are we growing in our passionate praise in our intimate worship Again, I can go back to the very first preach I ever did, which was on joy. My 18 pages took me 20 min 22 minutes to read it word for word. And I did it on joy. And I, I was saying, and I know one day I will jump before the Lord. I know one day I will lift up my hands. I know one day I will dance before the Lord. Because I wasn't doing any of it. But as I came to know him, and what he had done for me, there was no holding back. When I, there's a scripture that says, Though they who have been forgiven much love much. When you know how much God has forgiven you, your heart just breaks open in how much you want to give back to him. And I think this is so key in our journey. And in, in Psalm, our first scripture this morning is Psalm 100. And 
It's a psalm that our children learn over and over again in their kids' church, in, in, in their schoolwork at home. And it's this enter into his gates with thanksgiving. How many of us, how many of us have a wrong mindset? And we, 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 have a, we have a tendency to be more of a frustrated, grumbling. We find every negative wrong. Uh, and we focus on the, the neg- negatives of life. When actually, when we come into his presence, we're meant to come into his gates with thanksgiving. It's, it's like, if I wanted... Where's my phone? Where's my phone? If I wanted to give... James, I'll give you my phone. There we go. If you can get into there, you can have everything that's in there. That's in my bank accounts on there, my, my van, van details, if you can get it. But don't do it... Oh, yeah, you've got my cards as well. <laughs> you've got my cards, you've got the church cards. I shouldn't lay, leave it around. Shouldn't give it around to people. Um, but you can have everything. But, the, but he has to know the password. The key is, God has given us everything. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The Bible is very clear. He's given us all things that pertain to life, natural life, and to godliness, the spiritual realm of who we are. He's given us all things. It's in James's possession right now. But the passcode is, enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful to him and bless his name. Guess what? You've just got into my password. You've got into the account. You've got all the details that you want. In that sense, when we come before God, what did Jesus say when he said, pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is it? He's giving thanks. He's, He's teaching us to come before God with a thankful heart. This is exactly the same. Enter into my courts, my gates with thanksgiving, into my courts with praise. Worship, true worship, isn't just about a song or the lyrics, or the music that we listen to. True worship is loving God. It's, it's, about love, it's about loving him for what he's done for us. Before he, actually, it's, 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 it goes beyond that. It's loving him. Not because of what he's done, not because of what he's going to do, not because of what his word promises. It's loving him. Because he's worthy to be loved. Because he is the God of all creation. Worship is us honouring God in complete surrender. You know, again, if, if I'll use James as an illustration. If I came up to James and said, James, please could I have my wallet back? And he said, no. It's like, oh no, what do I do now? Um, I could pretend I've got a gun. <laughs> James, give me my wallet back now. All of a sudden, James is going to surrender because he knows I was a bit of a nutter in my past and he thinks, I'm not going to mess with him. He may have a real gun under his gun. <laughs> I could have bought my one from the van, but I thought I'd leave that in there. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's what surrender is. We put up our hands and we say, I surrender. And that's what we all do when we come to worship. When you lift your hands, it's not just a, a, Christian, a Christianism or whatever it is. It's, a, it's an act of worship. It's a, it's, a, it's a biblical, lift up your hands without wrath and doubting. It's a place of surrender before our God. It's a place where you say, you know, in, in many senses, I've heard it. It's, it's like you're lifting your arm as a, as a funnel 
Everything you have, Lord, let it flow into my heart today. I want us to be a church. When we go into worship, I can't make you worship. I can't make you hear the words that I speak. But I can encourage you with the words that I speak from God's word. Let's be a funnel. Let's receive everything that he has and wants for our life. It is. Worship is about honor and surrender. Worship is knowing God for who he is. It's about adoring him. It's about obeying him. It's about proclaiming that he is the way in our life. Praise and worship. It takes the attention off of me and it places it all on him. When we do praise and worship, we do it. When we do, when we have praise and worship in the room, it's not about making yourself look good or feeling good. It is, and this, we've always said this in the worship team, it's about the audience of one. Whenever we worship, it's not about me and it's not about you, it's about him and about what that means to him when we offer up the sacrifices of praise. In Isaiah 12, we read these words. Isaiah 12, verse 3, it says this. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I can't draw from your well. I have to draw from my well. I can't draw water. You can't draw water from mine. I may be so full and so, so just absolutely full of God in my life and you say oh, I, wish, I wish I could have, a, have some of what you've got well I'm sorry dig your own well you, you can't have what's in my well you've got to have the wells of salvation active in you and this word wells of salvation the Hebrew word for the wells of salvation is this is hard alright bear with me that's not proper Hebrew okay I can't I couldn't find a pronunciation for it and I, I struggle but that is it's M-A-I-A-N-E-I-H-A Yeshua Jesus is the living water because Yeshua means Jesus Jesus is our living water we draw from the wells of Yeshua we draw from the wells of what our salvation Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, the word of God says. You've got to work it out. You've got you to you walk your journey. God's already planned the way for you, but you've got to stay on track. You've got to be online. And in that journey, there's tough times that come. I can't, I can't turn around to you and say, oh, life's a, life's a, a bed of roses. You're going to have a wonderful life. But as soon as you become a Christian, everything is going to work out fine for you. I can't say that because actually the Christian life is also full of problems and and roadblocks. But the key difference between us and those who are in the world is that Jesus walks us through. He's with us. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with us. Though you pass through the valley of Baca, he can turn it around. All these things we do still go through. In this world you have uh, tribulation and times of trouble. The word of God is there. But fear not, I am with you. Over and over again, the word says, I will be there in the journey with you. So we have one that walks with us. And in those moments, when we don't feel strong, guess what? We draw on his strength. When we are weak, we are strong. 
It's about drawing from the well. When you don't feel like you've got much happiness in your life, guess what God has put in you? He said, I have put joy in you. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is resident in your life. Therefore, when you're going through times of difficulty, you may not be able to draw on happiness, but you can draw on joy. And if you draw on joy in the midst of a difficulty, it will bring strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It, 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 what is it? It's drawing from deep within your spirit man, from Christ in you, from the well of living water. We need to be drawing from that well. In our life, and one of the most revealing scriptures relating relation to worship in, is an encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. And I love this passage. I think it's just an amazing passage of scripture. And, and if you turn in John, John chapter four, when John's writing this, you would think John is there because when he's writing, there was so much detail. And it's like a word-for-word word account, but John wasn't there. And in fact, not one of the disciples were there. And it's such an important passage of Scripture that Jesus recounts it to John so that John can write it so that we can read it. And this is just an incredible passage. I'm going to read it. John chapter 4, it's going to be on the big screen. If you've got your Bible, I have it turned in my Bible, but it's a little bit too small and a bit colored in, and it's not clear to read. So I'm going to read it over on my iPad. It says this, and we're going to break it down into two sections. But he needed, and that's Jesus, to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples, remember, they'd all gone. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who, are, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave, this world, gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This is just absolutely, there is a fountain on the inside. And it says, look, uh, but the water I shall give him will become in him. There is an everlasting, ever flowing river that is inside you that will spring up into everlasting life every time you draw on him. 
Because in him, in you and I, there is a fountain. And, and this morning I, I just went online. I had a, had a look at um, Old Faithful. Old Faithful, the geezer in Yellowstone Park. Has anybody ever been to Yellowstone Park and seen Old Faithful go up? No. From my understanding, and I, and I didn't research it, just so you know, but from my understanding, I think it's every, approximately every 87 minutes, it suddenly gushes 120 feet into the air, this gush of water, and then it begins to dampen down, and then there's nothing. And from what I gather, from under the ground, the tanks, the underflowing tanks that are there, start to refill and rebuild. And I thought, this is just a picture of us. This is the spiritual journey of our life. Sometimes we just gush out and it's all, wow. And then it just all plateaus down and you think, oh, okay, this is just normal living. But when we draw on the water that's going on beneath the surface, as we draw on that well, guess what? We can have these moments of gushing forth, not just every 86 minutes or whatever it is, but we can have that flow of his spirit flowing in our lives constantly. And, and, and as I watch this old, what's his name? Old geezer? No, what's it called? Old Faithful. As I saw Old Faithful beginning to bubble, you could hear the crowd watching going, Oh, oh, and, and this thing's going, ooh, ooh. And you're thinking, that's not much to get excited about. But because they had seen it before, perhaps on YouTube or whatever else, they knew as it started to bubble up that something else was about to happen. I want to say to you, there's been a part, there's been in my journey in life, and it's probably the same for many of us, you, you go through peaks and troughs in your Christian journey. You could look at the roller coaster and say we have ups and downs in our Christian journey. But do you know what? In those ups and downs, Jesus is always faithful to us. It's in moments of our journey that we have a down moment and we think the world's against us. We think everyone's against us. We think every, every possible. But there's something bubbling on the inside. And if we at that moment draw from the spirit, from the wells of salvation, and we say, God, I surrender to you. Guess what? Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What is this river of living water? It's the spirit of God. It is the spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. Remember a couple of uh, last week, I think it was, and I was speaking about spiritual. We are spiritual as a family value. And at the last day of the feast, Jesus cried out, If any man thirsts, let him come to me, for out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Do you know what that is? That's old geezer. That's old faithful. I mean, old faithful in you, which is the Holy Spirit in you. You can draw on old faithful. I don't want to disrespect the Holy Spirit as being old faithful, okay? But he is faithfully there. Let's put it that way. We can draw on the faithfulness of God in our life. He is always there. We don't have to wait 86 minutes for him to start bubbling away again before he lets loose. We can draw on the wells of salvation constantly in our life. And this is what Jesus is saying to this woman of Samaria. And she's not getting it. She's looking at the, the distance between the Samaritans and the Jews. In these few verses, we see Jesus in a divine intervention. This is a divine encounter. 
Do you know what? You've had a divine encounter. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have experienced a divine encounter where Jesus suddenly became real to you. Just like this moment, Jesus became real to her. Then there is a journey that happens in her life. And there was a journey for this lady. Jesus begins to speak to her about her ancestry, about what life looks like for her as a Samaritan. And and she has this debate with Jesus about where they should worship and how they should worship. And And the distant divide. Who are you to be asking me a Samaritan woman And and there's all these issues that she's dealing with. Let me just say this respectfully about everyone in this room. You have issues. And so do I. We do. We have issues. We have personal issues. We have issues with God's word. We have issues about life in general. If if I mentioned uh, who is running for the prime ministership of our nation we have issues some of us have issues with this one some of us have issues with that one and some of us have issues with people who have come back from holiday (laughs) how dare he be on holiday you have an issue how dare he come back you have an issue how dare he be running we have more issues we all have issues true and jesus is dealing with this woman's issues because he knew that there were issues in her life. Not only was this, but Jesus was breaking the, or, or crossing over. He crossed over the racial boundary. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And they distanced each other. It was, it was, like, it was like turf wars. For, for Samaritans and Jews to come together, it was turf wars. They would not do it. They would sooner walk past an injured individual as Jesus taught on the Good Samaritan. They would sooner walk past a person who is injured or dying than they would help them. It was that bad, but Jesus broke the divide. Do you know what? Jesus isn't a blue-eyed, blonde-haired man. He was born in the Middle East. He is an Israeli. He has an Israeli olive skin with brown eyes. Probably brown hair. Let's, you know, the old Sunday school books of blue eyed, blonde haired Jesus. Sorry, wrong. But you know what? Jesus, he, he broke the divide. He stepped into the divide. He stepped into her issues of, of, of separation and division that had always been there. Do you know what? Jesus wants to step into our divisions. He wants to step into our issues. He wants to step into our world. What, why? So that we can be honest and open and truly transparent when we come to worship him because we need to worship in spirit and in truth and if we hold divisions or hold things in our heart he we're not being transparent before God he knows you better than anybody Jesus wasn't limited by the ethnic hatred he he wasn't limited by the cultural divide he wasn't limited by this woman's sin I love this because there's not one person in this room that hasn't sinned in the last month. There isn't one person in this room that's probably not sinned in this last week. The Bible says whatsoever isn't of faith is sin. So the level of of God's standard is beyond our reach. 
Thank God for Jesus. Because none of us could make it. It's through Jesus that we make it. And here, he's not, he's not limited by her sin. And, and, and I, want to, I want us to continue to read this. Jesus met her on purpose and for a purpose. And it wasn't just for her. It was for every believer that would ever believe in moving forward. For you, for me, and for all of us. In, verse, in John, John 4, verse 15, it says, and this is when she begins to, to, to sort of rationalize things naturally. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. You know, we all know, well, many of us would know the story. She's there at the sixth hour. It's midday. She's there at the hottest point of the day. All of the other women went to draw water at the beginning of the day. It was a hot and tiresome job. They would carry a pole with two pots, and they would walk to the well. They would pull out the water for the well, and then make the journey back. They did it at the early point of the day when it was at its coolest. Here, this woman's going there at midday. No one wanted to associate with her. No one wanted to be near her. She was ostracized. She was an outcast from her city and town. So she was there at midday, and she's saying, give me a break. I'll, I'll take this water. That way I will never thirst again and I'll never have to come to this place of disgrace again. How many of us find ourselves time and time again in a place where we feel disgraced? Where we feel guilty or we feel condemned? But the key is we've got to look to Jesus. In all of our lives, just keep looking to him. Keep looking to him. Don't allow the enemy to condemn you. Jesus says to her in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, uh, well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you are with right now is not your husband. In this you have truly spoken. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. No wonder she was outcast. No wonder she went to the, she went to the well on her own. There were enough men in the city to say, women in the city to say, we ain't going out with her. We're not going to draw water with this woman. She was outcast. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you, uh, for you have had five. And the one that you are with right now is not your husband, in that you have spoken truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain. And you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you, uh, what you do not know. We worship what, uh, and we know what we worship for salvation is for the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow. Can you imagine that that moment? It's like the, 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 that moment of realization. I'm speaking 
to the Messiah. I'm speaking to the Christ. He's the one who didn't know me, had no background on me, but identified that I've had five husbands and the guy that I'm with is not my husband. Who could have guessed that? Who could have worked that out? But Christ the Messiah. And then the, we know the, 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 the events of this woman's life. She, she, she leaves this conversation. She runs back to the city. And I think it's so interesting. And she starts to speak to all the men of the city. She didn't go to the women who would have, don't come near me, I don't want to know you. She spoke to all the men. Now, that's twofold reason. One, I think she knew a lot of them personally. And number two, the men always had the final say in those days. And, and in this position, she drew what would be the biggest crowd. And the men of the city came out and many were saved. It's just an incredible moment in this, this dialogue. Remember, John wasn't there. None of the disciples were there. And Jesus this encounter, he said, I, I need this to be recorded. Because there are going to be men and women and children. There are going to be those who are male and female. There are going to be those who are struggling in their journey because of sin, all the issues that they're carrying in their life. And I want them to know that they don't worship me from their physical. And they don't worship me from their soul. They worship me in spirit and in truth. I think this is just amazing. Who am I to judge? And who are we to judge? Whether a person is worshipping in spirit and in truth. But when we worship him in spirit and truth. Let's remember what worship is. The Bible says that worship in the Greek and the Hebrew is to bow, to come near, and to kiss. Worship is to embrace and to love for all that he's done for us. Worship isn't a song. It's a heart. Here I am to worship. It's a heart cry in our life. Do you know, some of us can be grumpy, grumpy old people. Not just old people, grumpy young people, grumpy in-between people, grumpy. <sighs> Let's dig a hole. Some of us can be grumpy in life. But do you know what? We don't know the journey of that person's life. We don't walk in their shoes. We don't know what they're walking through. But we can so easily judge one another. Jesus didn't judge. Jesus didn't judge this woman who was living in sin and had such a terrible past. He didn't judge her. He revealed his love to her. Do you know what? This morning in this room, Jesus just wants to reveal his love. Some guy, Jesus wants to reveal his love. Isn't that amazing? And at the, I believe right now in this moment, we're at the well. Each of us are at this well. Are we going to draw from the wells of salvation? Are we going to draw for ourselves, not for somebody else, not look at somebody else and say, I wish I had their life. Someone recently said that to me. 
and said, I've looked at certain individuals and said, I wish I had their life. But when they saw what their life was really like, not just the facade, not just the picture, not just the, the portrayal of a life, when they saw what their life was really like, they realized how good their life was. We, don't, we forget how good our life is. Going to miss that, going to miss that, going to miss that. Going to finish with this. Praise and worship is our lifestyle. We will continue to do this until Jesus comes. Some people may say, oh, you know, it's the same routine. We sing a few songs. Yeah, absolutely. We will always sing praise to God. Do you know what you'll be doing in heaven? You'll be singing songs. Songs of redemption, songs of praise, songs of adoration. And, and, and Sylvie, you won't be needing a three-wheeler to keep you up. We'll be, our bodies will be renewed. Those achy, creaky knees and joints that you think, oh, I jumped a bit too long this morning. Someone said last week, oh, I admire your, I admire your, your um, what was the word? I, I, I admire your... I can't remember now. Someone said something to me. Your ability to keep going. Your endurance in praise. Yeah, but you don't know how I suffer after. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, he's worthy of it all. He is worthy. Psalm 34. Can I finish this scripture? I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. When it's going good... When it's going bad, I will bless the Lord at all times. There was a, I've got a minute, two minutes. There was a time in our life when our children were young. I had two jobs. I was working from f- four o'clock in the morning, sometimes to 10 o'clock at night. It was killing me physically. I couldn't continue. And I stuck up for a lady, and I've probably shared this before. I stuck up for a lady who was being verbally abused by my employer and he sacked me on the, stop, on the spot for sticking up for this lady. She was a very elderly lady in her 80s. And I lost my second job, which meant there was absolutely no way we could afford our mortgage and we were going to lose our house. But it was during that time that we had learned to praise in all seasons of life to worship with intimate worship and to fall on our face and on our knees and worship the Most High God. We, we, had to, we got to a point where we had to put our house on the market and we were looking for the smallest houses in Gospel. And that is without... There's a house in Bedford Street. If you go to Bedford Street from Fulton Road and the first house on your left is... The garden, it has a garden, but the garden is that big. And it had a spiral staircase that was so narrow, it was dangerous to go up. But that was the only house that we thought we could afford. And I think even that was beyond. Do you remember those days, Josh? You don't, it's before you. Before you remember. I think we had four children at the time. But we'd learned to worship and to praise. And in that moment, Jane would go off to the prayer meeting 
and I would stay at home babysitting looking after the kids. And I would just fall on my face and praise. I know that you can. And I know that you will. I know you're the God of the breakthrough. I know that you can make this. You can turn it. And I just praised and praised and worshipped and worshipped. And then, then it would be mine the following week. It would be me going to the prayer meeting. Jane would stay at home and she would worship and just love on God. Through every season. Through every season. The hardest times of our life when we had nothing. We were on our face. Worshipping him. Why? Because this scripture says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. There is a, there is a supernatural power that's released in praise. I can show you that in Gideon. I can show you that in the walls of Jericho through Joshua. I can show you that through David. I can show you over and over with Paul and Silas in the prison when, when they began to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and, and, and God broke the, the prison doors open at midnight. I could show you over and over again in the word. Just let the praises of God fill your heart and in your life. I will bless the Lord at all times. You sin. You fall into temptation. You fall on your face. You confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you and, for, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You can praise in the next instant. But you won't feel like you can praise when you've got a heavy heart. You won't feel like you can be intimate in worship when there is condemnation just falling all over you because of whatever. This woman encountered Jesus. I'm going to continue to point you to Jesus. I'm not going to point you to our wonderful worship team. I'm not going to point you to the songs that we sing. I'm going to point you to Jesus because it's only him that can release the shackles from off our life. It's only him who can flood you with his everlasting life, everlasting love. It is only him that is worthy of our praise and our worship. It's only him. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What's tomorrow? What's the end of the day? I, I tell you what, there's been moments we've left this building and we've walked, before we've walked out the door, we've had a message and it's like, bang! But we have to follow the key of what God's word says. Praise steals the enemy in the avenger. According to Psalm 8, you read Psalm 8. It says, out of the... Oh, I could preach forever, sorry. I just feel sorry for you sometimes. I just keep going and going. Out of, out of babes and infants have I ordained praise to steal the, the avenger, to steal the enemy and the avenger of your life. Praise and worship does it. I'm not saying go home and shove on your... You Spotify and just start singing songs. No, let it be from your heart. You may have to start in your soul, but let it filter to your spirit. When you're praying in tongues, you may start from a soulless position where you feel like it's not going anywhere. My prayers aren't going anywhere. But as you continue, you fall into the things of the spirit and the spirit overwhelms. Why, what have you done? You've dug deep into the wells of salvation. 
and you've drawn up the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. I'm finishing. There we go. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome, Sylvia. So let's pray. Father, I, I want to thank you that you founded Family Church on three principles. The power of your word, an incredible kids' church, and passionate praise and worship. Lord, I thank you that we will never deviate from those three areas. I thank you for our church. I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. I thank you, Lord, that you, Lord, again this morning, it won't be just a sermon. It will be a lifestyle. It will be the truth landing on the ground of our heart. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, confirm your word to us. And for those that may be going through a really difficult time, Lord, I pray that the key of praise and worship would just land in the ground of their heart and that we would all grow in the knowledge of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.